My name is Cortez Murray, your Everyday Medical Assistant, and welcome to the Everyday MA Podcast. Let's get started. Oh man, what is up you guys? How are you guys doing? Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. At the moment, it is... 9:39 p.m. Tuesday, December 29th. I actually find it pretty weird recording at night just for the simple fact if you look back at any other podcast, you will see that I normally do them in between like 6 and 7 uh, in the morning. So this is actually pretty different for me. And I am sitting in my bedroom, which I'm never doing when I recorded the previous podcast. But I just wanted to share that with you guys. I do want to thank you again for tuning into the podcast. Um, If you're returning to it, thank you guys for returning. If you're smack brand new to the podcast, never heard one before. Thank you for just tuning in, you know, Um, hope you learned something and I hope you enjoy it. So what is ah? before I even get to the today's topic, I got a couple of things that I want to go over, right? So last podcast was about the COVID-19 vaccine, right? I told you guys on the last podcast that I was going to get back to you with the second COVID vaccine, which came out. And in that podcast, I completely forgot the name of the company who was doing it. So I kind of just wanted to talk about it just for really briefly, right? So it's the Moderna vaccine. That's what it's called. There's the Pfizer vaccine. And then there's also... Moderna vaccine, right? It's currently out now. And what are some differences between the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine? So let's go through, you know, just a couple of differences right now. So with the Moderna vaccine, at the moment, it stands at 94.5% efficiency. It requires two doses, 28 days apart, roughly. And this is kind of a little bit benign, but just to add it in there, storage, you want it to be kept at negative 25 to negative 15 degrees Celsius, right? And it is for people of 18 and older, right? For the Pfizer vaccine, it's at 95% efficiency, two doses, 21 days apart, and storage is roughly from negative 80 to negative 60 degrees Celsius. And that is... From what I've seen and what I've read, it's from ages 16 and up. So correct me if I'm wrong on that. But there's just a couple of things in which I wanted to share about the Moderna vaccine. And secondly, on December 23rd, 2020, at 12, no, I'm sorry, 11.50 a.m., I got the news that I passed the CMA exam. So super stoked, super stoked. Oh man, super, like that's an accomplishment and I'm very proud of that for the simple fact that you spend the time in the school. For me, it was two years. Um, yeah, for me, it was two years, but actually it took a little bit longer for me because I took a semester off. Um, at that time, I had a newborn son, so I took some time off for that. And, you know, hopped right back into it, took a a semester off so I can be with, you know, my wife and my son and hopped right back into it, grinded it out. And I took the exam 
December 23rd. I hope I didn't say December 16th. I'm like, I'm thinking like, did I say December 16th? December 23rd is when I took it and, um, I passed. So yeah, I'm super stoked about that. Like putting CMA next to my name is like, I've done it a couple of times after like giving injections and, you know, charting it and all that good stuff. And it feels good. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. It feels great. Um, especially when I'm used to just putting, you know, Cortez Murray MA on there. But now I put that C in front of that MA and it's like, bam. But okay, that's enough of that. Let's get into what we're here to even talk about today. So the topic of today's podcast is going to be hypertension, right? So what is hypertension? Hypertension is basically high tension of blood flow through the blood vessels, right? Also known as high blood pressure. So why are we talking about hypertension or high blood pressure, right? A couple of things. I just wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit to educate fellow medical assistants or non-healthcare professionals about this condition. That's number one. Number two is to kind of give a little bit of patient education about natural ways to lower your blood sugar, uh, blood pressure. I was going to say blood sugar. Wow. And also fellow, also to educate fellow uh, medical assistants that they can use this information as well to educate their patients that they are going to be seeing on a daily basis, right? Especially if you work in a family practice, you're going to come across hypertension all the time and people are going to have questions. You need to know how to answer those questions. So what is good blood pressure range? What does your blood pressure consist of, right? When I'm taking blood pressures at the office and say I have a patient who has a significantly high pressure at the moment, they'll be like, some will say something around the parks of, you know, I take my blood pressure at home. It's, you know, it's normal, but you know, I come here in the office and it's high. Right. I hear that quite often, and which is definitely OK, because, you know, that's an actual thing. Right. Anxiety, nerves, uh, they actually call it white coat syndrome. So there's a lot of people who actually have that. But let's talk about blood pressure and what it actually really consists of. So when you're taking your blood pressure at home, like the patient stated, they're probably using a automated cuff. Right. And it gives you two numbers. And it also sometimes gives you a pulse as well, which is that third number. But we're talking about the blood pressure right now. So the two numbers, you have your top number, which is called your systolic pressure, right? And then you have the bottom number, which is called your diastolic pressure. So let's talk about what normal systolic and diastolic pressures are. So normal systolic pressure is less than 120. In normal diastolic pressure is going to be around less than 180. Elevated systolic pressure, meaning that top number, usually in the 120s, usually 130s, 140s if you have hypertension, right? So I'm kind of giving, you know, a sneak peek of what I'm about to say already. But elevated systolic pressure is between 120 and 129. Stage one hypertension is going to be a systolic pressure of 130 and through, I guess you can say, 139. Stage two hypertension is going to be 140 or higher. And then hypertensive crisis is going to be higher than 180, right? A good rule in which I kind of like to 
you know, play with. And then it kind of keeps me to remember the stages of hypertension is I was watching a um, I was watching Mike from I forgot Simple Nursing. And he came up with a I think it was him or somebody. They came up with a clever way of trying to keep it in track. Right. So a systolic pressure of 140 or higher. So a pressure of 140, the heart is saying, oh, Lordy or something like that so right it's under tremendous stress trying to you know pump the blood efficiently efficiently and effectively but it's not really working effectively for the simple fact that you know it's too much pressure it's too much pressure on those blood vessels too much pressure on those arteries right so what is systolic pressure it's that top number on your blood pressure cuff right and it's the pressure in your arteries during the contraction of your heart muscle that's that's what's called basically that's the definition of your systolic pressure right and that bottom number which we talked about a little bit is the diastolic pressure and so let's go through a little bit of those values what's normal and what's abnormal between that so a normal diastolic pressure is going to be less than 80 elevated is going to be still a little bit less than 80 so that's so i'm gonna say the top you know the higher the higher 80s i can i guess you can say stage one hypertension is kind of classified between 80 and 89 between those ranges stage two hypertension is going to be 90 or higher and hypertensive crisis for the diastolic range is going to be 120 and higher so if you're getting a blood pressure for example, if you're getting a blood pressure of 180 over 120, you're in hypertensive crisis mode and you need to seek emergency care. Another reason why we're talking about this is because hypertension is super on the rise. This year alone, I've noticed, I want to say that's probably the most seen condition in which I've seen this year and uh, especially with COVID-19 uh, in 2020 it's been it's been crazy right so the primary way the hypertension causes harm is by overworking the heart and blood vessels making them work less efficiently and that's why it's kind of known as the silent killer in a way right sometimes you refer sometimes you hear people refer to hypertension as the silent kill- killer and it's because sometimes it really doesn't have Many signs or symptoms. Um, sometimes you can have, you know, headaches, dizziness, uh, feeling a little bit lightheaded. Uh, there's definitely other signs and symptoms, but you know, it's kind of far and few in between. Um, you, normally, when I'm bringing back a patient and I take that blood pressure, that patient I get get a reading. Let's say it's one. Let's just throw a number out there. One seventy three over one o eight. Right really high really high uh, blood pressure right there right I get done talking to them and they're like wow that's my blood pressure you know I feel I feel fine I feel normal there's like there's nothing going on I don't actually even have any concerns but now that I'm here let's address that right and I'm like yeah for sure and then sometimes you can also educate the patient a little bit and say hey you know what let's that's you know that's really high definitely gonna let the provider know see what the next course of actions are but in the meantime, let's wait about two to three minutes, you know, and let's recheck the blood pressure and see if it comes down. And sometimes more often times than not, it definitely does. Because let me tell you, 
from bringing the patient back for them walking to their car, waiting in the waiting room, that anxiety and anxiousness just builds up, right? Usually when I talk to the patients, that's usually why, you know, their blood pressure is a little bit elevated because they're like, hey, you know, I was anxious about coming in. I was a little nervous about coming in. So bringing that patient back, getting the weight, getting their height, all that good stuff, having them sit down, get the blood pressure. Sometimes you didn't, that's not enough time for that heart to kind of, you know, relax and, you know, kind of get itself in a resting, uh, resting, you know, get a good resting heart rate and then also get a good resting blood pressure. But that's most of the time in which I, what I do is kind of, you know, just wait, wait a couple minutes, wait two to three minutes, recheck it. I always, I want to say 95% of the time, definitely see a drop in the blood pressure just by doing that alone. And, um, it's great. It's great. So that's something that fellow medical assistants or nurses out there, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys know that, but, um, that's just something that I've a little tricked in, which I've used. So what are the risk factors for hypertension? Right. So some of these risk factors include an unhealthy diet, meaning too much sodium slash salt. Um, and another one is not partaking in regular physical activity. You got some obesity that leads to hypertension. Too much alcohol leads to hypertension. Sometimes even genetics and family history contribute to um, you getting hypertension and also tobacco use. So all of those things contribute into whether or not you have a greater chance in getting this, you know, chronic condition over time. So just some things to kind of, you know, look out for and pay attention to. Sometimes hypertension can lead to other things as well. Um, Myocardial, I'm sorry, myocardial infarction, also known as a heart attack, right? And stroke as well. Sometimes when you get up to those really high numbers in which are kind of really dangerous, uh, 220, uh, 200 over 120s. When you get into those dangerous numbers, yeah, it's definitely possible. You can definitely have a stroke. So I know I'm kind of talking fast here. I'm kind of going to, you know, dial it down a little bit. So how do you prevent hypertension, right? How to prevent it? What are some basic things in which you can do on a daily basis to prevent you getting hypertension? Easy. Let's go through some of them. Regular exercise is definitely one of them. And I'm going to say I advocate for this for like I advocate for this the most out of anything that in a proper diet, I should say a healthier diet. So 20 to 30 minutes of exercise per day. You know, some people do swimming, some people do running, some people do walking, some people do weightlifting, calisthenics. That's another one that's really popular nowadays. Sometimes people are doing uh, stretching. Um, So that's a good one. That's a good one as well. Also, a healthier diet, meaning more fiber, more protein, less sodium, less carbohydrates and fats. Well, I shouldn't say less carbohydrates because you're getting a lot of your energy from your carbohydrates. But cutting out added sugars, things like ramen noodle, ramen noodles, which are high in sodium, potato chips and candy, excessive candy and things like that. These things are good in moderation, but overall in the bulk of your diet, you shouldn't consistently consistently be eating these things right also limiting your alcohol consumption and limiting your smoking can also do a great deal in preventing and managing your hypertension so let's move on to the next one we're going to talk about a little bit of treatment for hypertension
So say you're coming into the doctor's office, the hospital, whatever, and you're trying to get treatment for hypertension. You're looking and wanting to know about possible medications that can help control your high blood pressure. What are some medications in which your physician, your nurse practitioner is going to talk to you about? What are some of the medications in which you expect for them to, you know, kind of instruct you on? So or possibly even prescribed to you. So let's go through a couple of these. Um, you definitely have some classes, uh, definitely blood pressure medication classes in which, you know, there's definitely a, I guess you can say, a wide range that help treat high blood pressure, but can also help treat multiple other things as well. So let's talk a little bit about these classes. You have your ACE inhibitors, you have your diuretics, beta blockers, you have your antihypertensive drugs, uh, calcium channel blockers, and vasodilators, right? So those are just a couple. Um, so what is an ACE inhibitor, right? It relaxes the, this is a class of medication to basically relax the blood, blood vessels. And that in doing that, it lowers the blood pressure and also kind of helps with diabetes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Diabetic related kidney damage. Right. So an example of an ACE inhibitor is benazapril and lisinopril. So the cool thing about lisinopril is that it definitely helps with high blood pressure, but it also helps with heart failure as well. And it can also reduce the risk of death after a heart attack. So someone who previously had a heart attack and had, is going through, um, you know, hypertensive episodes or has a newly diagnosis of hypertension, you can kind of possibly see, possibly see lisinopril on their medication list, right? Or benazapril. Moving on to the diuretics. Diuretics are kind of known as the water pill in a way because they help to eliminate extra water from the bottle body. Uh, I said from the bottle. Wow. What where's my mind? But <laughs> an example of a diuretic is chlorothiazide, right? It helps to treat fluid retention. Um, in doing that, it reduces high blood pressure, right? And reduces also the risk of stroke and heart attack or myocardial infarction. Um, if you're getting technical with heart attacks name. Thirdly, beta blockers. So beta blockers slow the heart rate and they decrease blood pressure that way, right? An example of this is going to be metoprolol. Um, it's used to treat high blood pressure, but then also ooh, it helps with chest pain and heart failure. So if someone who, pardon me, I just kind of burped a little bit. If someone has the, if someone had just had a heart attack, right? This medication is probably going to be prescribed to that person because it lowers the risk of death after a heart attack. So that's a little bit about that. Um, you also have hydrochlorothiazide, Lasartan. Um, it can treat high blood pressure, reducing the risk of stroke and heart attack as well. And then you have calcium channel blockers, which basically relax the blood vessels. And, and, and an example of a calcium channel blocker would be amlodipine, uh, a medication which, you know, quite I see a lot of these medications, you know, quite often. Um, it's definitely going to be another one who helps with high blood pressure, but then also helps with chest pain as well. So, um, yeah. And then lastly, you have the class of vasodilators. So that is going to be your hypertensive medications. They, you know, it's be sure to ask your Say if you're ever going to be checked out for elevated blood pressure, right? And you don't have a diagnosis of hypertension. Make sure that your 
physician, the provider that you're seeing is giving you proper patient education, whether that be handouts or talking to you verbally. Um, me personally, I prefer the patient education handouts for the simple fact you're going to forget everything in which you just had a conversation about unless you record it. Um, and that's not something that, you know, I just want to constantly just keep replaying over and over again on my phone if you know i did record it or something that just seems kind of weird so uh, make sure you get some patient education handouts so you can read up on these medications and things like that uh, make sure your provider gives you a full breakdown of these medications while you're taking it uh, how long do you take this for how long does you know the provider expect you to take this for what are some things that you can do naturally other than what um, i've provided to you here on the podcast to lower that blood pressure naturally so there's definitely a lot of things in which you want to talk to your provider about um but yeah those are the medications in which you're expected to see expected to hear about possibly um if you're going to go be seen for hypertension but so let's do a recap we talked about what hypertension is right we've talked about the risk factors of hypertension right we talked about how to prevent it we've talked about um if you're in that predicament where you have hypertension some of the treatment options for that and then i think yeah and why and why discussing hypertension is you know important for the simple fact that that's probably one of the main chronic conditions in which i see all the time so before we go ahead and end the podcast i wanted to let you guys know about a couple of things if you're on facebook there are two medical assistant um facebook pages group pages in which i highly advise you to join um just for the simple fact that i'm i'm a part of both of them and they're great they're great Uh, i can't tell you enough how much you know being on there has helped me um so for sure it definitely helps you there's a lot of support so those two facebook groups are the medical assistant network that's the first group right the second group is the certified clinical medical assistant the ccma facebook page so make sure you guys join those especially if you're a medical assistant Um, let them know that i sent you if you join Um, it's definitely these two i highly recommend for the simple fact that these are facebook pages where medical assistants can come together and help each other pick each other's brains about certain topics and then also get advice Uh, ultimately it's definitely there for one to support one another basically so be sure to join these pages if you're a medical assistant it will help you out tremendously and again let them know cortez murray from the everyday ma podcast sent you um but that is all for this week so uh, i thank you guys again for joining the podcast turning into the podcast and listening to it if you found this you know uh, helpful or informative in any kind of way feel free to share it and make sure you follow the podcast because you never know when i'm going to you know upload another one i usually do it once a week um, or once every two weeks, but I need to get a little bit more of them on the schedule about getting now getting these uploaded to you guys. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you guys on the next one. I wish to see you all again. Peace out.